incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is hob. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Engage. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beat me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Boldly go where no man has gone before. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. After spending most of my academic career in private religious schools, my parents decided to send me to Riverside High School beginning my sophomore year. At that time, there was a mysterious figure roaming the halls, a figure in dark clothes with dark hair and even darker eyeliner. We shared a keyboarding class, and it became a badge of honor that I was able to make him laugh one time by falling over backwards in my chair. He is the cover photographer for my upcoming comedy album and a fellow admirer of Highlander, the TV series. It's Mr. John Paul Newton. Yeah. Hey, that was a summer school keyboarding class, right? It was. Yeah, yeah. I think (laughs) I don't know why. I was a terrible student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I didn't graduate. (laughs) Um, and not, not be, I didn't fail out. I, I literally went all four years and was one credit short at the end. And I just said, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I know that. I'm, That's why I'm <laughs> done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't care if it's just one summer to make it up. I'm <laughs> done. Oh yeah. yeah I've, got, those, I've only got those, a GED. Yeah. Cause those, uh, went the whole time. I've only got a GED. Those those classes are brutal. Like summer schools, summer schools no joke. Because I mean, you're having to compress an entire an entire yeah, school year like, down into a few weeks. It's like and a for remedial. kids who are not great students to begin with. Well, I was just gonna say it's it's a, a remedial. Order. It's a remedial school year. <laughs> it's not your school year. It's right. You know, <laughs> um, the, the teachers don't want to do it either. You know, I'm sure that they yeah. have to like oh, pull from super straws, obvious. You know? yeah. Oh, super obvious. They don't want to be there that summer. I was in football mode. So I was, okay. at, yeah, yeah. I was at school because didn't summer school get started around like 8.30 or 9? Yeah, so, it was like a real school day. Yeah, I was at school like at 7 a.m. doing Ooh. conditioning training, then was at school all day, and then went after school to the weight room. And that summer, I was also prepping for world championships. So after weight training, I would go home, throw on my martial arts uniform and head to the karate school for two to three hours. So by the end of that summer, I looked like a stick because I had lost so much weight. <laughs> my uniform was hanging off of me, man. That's more than I'm willing to do as an adult, man. Ugh, like I, much less a teenager. Right. I was working out like six hours a day, roughly three to five days a week. And In addition to school. Yeah. And, oh, that was just brutal. I can't imagine, like, <laughs> fast forward a couple of years, I'm in the police academy getting up at 4.30 in the morning to go run and I'm just hating life. <laughs> like, this is the worst. <laughs> yeah, not, most nights, man, I'm not even in bed at 4.30 in the morning. Oh, you know? like man. I, 
That's I wouldn't awesome. know what to do with myself. I saw that like there's a, the FBI has a, an ad up in the local job postings. Really? Oh yeah. It's, that's probably like the one thing I, that kind of makes me wish I had actually done something educationally, you know, it's like, man, like, I, you know, you spend, it's, I'm sure it's not this way at all, but uh, you know, obviously uh, you spend so many years watching like the X-Files and yeah. so, like, like working for the FBI becomes kind of like this. I'm going to be a FBI agent, you know. <laughs> no matter how I might feel about them, otherwise, at any other point in the day, right? Over the course of my life, it's like I can be <laughs> Fox Mulder, right? It's romanticized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's know? exactly it. That yeah. whole lifestyle and the whole like vibe. delivering pizzas. You know, like it seems like, man, I'd love to just <laughs> deliver pizzas. <laughs> but you know, that's got to be the. Sh- job yeah we were getting together on a somewhat regular basis to watch picard and but we also were watching a little bit of the uh the short treks and did we did we watch any of discovery together i think it was just picard and i think it was just the picard and and some short treks right what do we get like four episodes into picard of the group that was coming over to the house to watch picard you were the most consistent i think you made it yeah. through i want to say you made it through most of the way of season one through most of it no no it was it was only the first four episodes because then there was there were like two weeks following that episode where for one reason or another we couldn't get together and oh, then yeah quarant- then quarantine happened then quarantine happened yeah so you're a star trek fan safe to say Yes. I'm not like so active that I'm like, I'm a Star Trek fan. You know, no, I just, I I always liked, I always really liked Next Generation. I was going to say we're about the same age, which, you know, odds are you're a Next Gen kid. Yeah. It's like uh, people that grew up watching Star Trek, the original Star Trek in the sixties, you know, Mm -hmm. like those, we're those kids for millennials. Right. Um, Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Outside of Next Gen, have you explored much more of the Star Trek universe? Yeah. For a time, I was watching Deep Space Nine, and uh, I guess I got through most of Voyager before you know high school started. And I was like, "Well, I'm just not gonna be at home watching Star Trek anymore." You know, <laughs> right? Right. That does seem to be the deciding factor. Do you have any uh, early memories of like something that stuck out to you from Next Gen? That's a little bit hard to say because I just watched the entirety of TNG on Hulu. Like it was quarantine. It was during quarantine. It right. Was, like, I had the time. I got through it all faster than anyone should, you know, because oh, it, yeah. was all, it was all late at night. So it's not like I'm going to be doing anything else. It's that or sleeping. Right. You know, so. Yeah. And it's weird how like eight hours of that can just fly by. It just flies you know, by. <clears throat> you don't realize that much time because you're all just watch another episode. And it's like <laughs> in hell, man. In one month, I've spent 200 hours watching this. <laughs> uh, I could have cleaned something. Yeah. Do you so have- I, like I can't necessarily remember off the top. I'm, nothing's like necessarily screaming out at me because my freshest memory is of just watching it several months ago right. but i will say that when i was <laughs> i mean this is going right into middle school you know for a time they were making like the life-size electronic tricorders and yeah and, you know for kids they yeah were, yeah you know, 14 15 bucks for one sure and they had a whole series you know they had like the Bajoran tricorder and the, the yep. classic and the next generation tricorders and then all the phasers and it's like i had to have all that <laughs> because <laughs> most of the time I was doing everything I could to live in a fantasy anyway. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. So it's like anything that can give it some realism. Did it help you escape a little bit? 
I mean, as much as anything did, I guess. It was the thing that I was most into at that moment. Because I guess there were like dedicated phases. Like there was the Star Wars phase, which went into the Star Trek phase. And then those both faded out completely when I found Highlander. <laughs> Highlander's dope. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and that was like all I did for like a year was Highlander. Which is all, this is all very ridiculous to admit to, you know, God knows who's going to be listening to it, but that was. (laughs) Send uh, all your love letters to John Paul Newton at. (laughs) I would tell you any day of the week, but you and scores of faceless people that I have no idea. This is a a whole different thing. Uh, It's not. It's the internet (laughs) and the internet is the least safe, but also best place. It's weird it's not exactly a balance because they're both trying to occupy too much of the same space at once, but it is, it's good and absolutely awful. That's true. That being said, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This week on love it or list it. What caused an entire civilization to disappear? Humans colonized this planet over 70 years ago. Nobody heard from them again. The Enterprise crew is about to find out. Not one to Enterprise. We've got an emergency. An all-new Enterprise. The crew shows up to where the first deep space colony, Terra Nova, should be. They left 70 years ago, but they haven't heard from them for the last decade. Archer, Mayweather, Reed, and T'Pol take a space bus down to the surface and find a ghost town fresh out of the microwave because there's hella radiation. Reed sees someone, draws his phaser, and chases them like, Rawr! We're friendly! The person ducks into a dark cave on an unfamiliar planet, and Archer's like, Let's follow him and make first contact. And Reed gets shot and captured. Back on Enterprise, T'Pol reveals that the attackers were human, not alien. Archer decides to negotiate and takes Doc Flocks down to the surface. Two colonists, Jamin and his mom, Nadette, bring them to Reed, who's chilling. Flocks finds that Nadette has lung cancer, so she gets a direct flight to Enterprise Infirmary where T'Pol shows her science and logic. Archer's like, have you noticed that we look a lot alike? But these boomers are all, nope, I don't see it any of it. Doc Flox tells Archer it's going to be a while before they can come up with a sustainable solution. Archer shows Nadette a family photograph and is like, see, told you, Bernadette, Nadette, Bernadette, Nadette. Why did you say that name? But Jamin gets in Archer's grill and threatens Reed's life. Finally, Archer gains their trust by saving one of them when the tunnel collapses and is like, I can show you some great real estate just south of here. Quiet neighborhood, lots of curb appeal. And then... They haven't been heard from since the original Star Trek series. Now, the Andorians are back. Don't get your antennas in a twist. With a vengeance. I'll enjoy having you as a prisoner. Enterprise, an all-new episode. Enterprise is cruising along when Archer sees a planet and says, let's check it out. Turns out there's this really old Vulcan church on the planet, and Archer's like, dope, let's say hi. T'Pol says, hey, this is one of those quiet retreats like you read about online, so no speaking, no touching, no breathing. So when they get there, a Vulcan elder is like, now's not a great time. Thanks for coming, though. Pick up some rock candy in the gift shop on your way out. But Archer notices someone from the Blue Man group with a gun. Archer, Tucker, and T'Pol get taken captive by the Andorians and their leader, Commander Shran. Shran interrogates Archer, asking, are you helping them with their Lone Ranger sensor array? Archer's like, what's a Lone Ranger sensor array? Shran yells, tell me about the Lone Ranger sensor array. Archer replies, I don't know about any Lone Ranger sensor array. Back in the cell, the Vulcans ask, did they ask you about a Lone Ranger sensor array? Archer answers, they did ask me about a Lone Ranger sensor array. T'Pol asks, why would they ask you about a Lone Ranger sensor array? The Vulcans respond, they think we have a Lone Ranger sensor array. Archer inquires, do you have a Lone Ranger sensor array? 
Vulcans declare, we definitely don't have a Lone Ranger sensor array. Later that night, while sharing a blanket, Archer leans into DePaul and whispers, what if they do have a Lone Ranger sensor array? DePaul whispers back, stop poking me with your phaser. Back on Enterprise, Reed is testing out the captain's chair when Hoshi's like, sir, I'm picking up a signal from what appears to be a Lone Ranger sensor array. Reed's like, well, hi-ho silver, let's go get him. So Reed and a security team hold their noses and transport down, blow a hole in the 3,000-year-old monastery, and then... Uh, there was a firefight! During the shootout, they find a big metal door. Archer opens it, revealing a Lone Ranger sensor array. Archer and the Andorians look at the Vulcans like... Paul scans the room and gives her palm pilot to Shran, who's all, I owe you one, pink skin. Was this your first time watching Enterprise? <clears throat> this is my first time watching any complete episode. Yeah. Really, really? What I, uh, what steered I, you clear of? Because this is what I found is a lot of people have, they're about Star Trek, but when it comes to Enterprise, it's like, oh, it's garbage. Really? Have you watched it? Well, no. And I mean, so I'm so I'm just curious as, as to what as to what well no, I know you didn't say that, but like it's a pretty strong sentiment. I do have some <laughs> strong sentiments, but that. <laughs> Not one that's so sweeping. It, it, was there any particular reason you stayed away from it or was it just timing or? I would imagine for a lot of people, there's a little bit of a, like an oversaturation of the market kind of thing going on. You know, like with Star Wars, you know, by the time they had mm. like a seventh movie coming out, you're kind of like, I don't, do I give a fuck anymore? You know, <laughs> um, yeah. like how much more can they do with it? So I think that's probably an element. Then there's also, was it on was it a TNT original or something like that? I think this was UPN back in the day. Which is worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a factor. Well, and it's Discovery's a- on CBS, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think because um, a lot of people seem to forget that TNG was so huge and so yeah. iconic, almost but only iconic did- almost right away. It only they only had four movies, right? Uh, yeah, they only had four movies, and they only ran for six seasons, seven seasons. I forget. Yeah, that's um, right. It's it is actually a shorter than you would imagine. Yeah, and then because DS Nine overlaps right. sort of the tail end of it, right. and, then and then Voyager, Voyager overlaps Voyager. the tail end of that. Once Voyager ended, it was just they got the green light immediately, and it was just kind of like, hey, we need more Star Trek. Just go. I find that kind of remarkable because I, I remember even as a I, whatever, like 11, 12, uh, when Voyager started, mm. I thought like, Jesus Christ, fine. <laughs> give it a fucking, <laughs> how many do we need on the air at once, you know? And, and I liked the shows, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like at this point, and I, and I get the sentiment, but like Enterprise started like less than two weeks after 9-11. Like people were still very raw. Yeah. At that point, I feel like this was maybe supposed to offer some hope about the future, yeah. but they in, in traditional Star Trek fashion, <laughs> but they kind of didn't go that route or it, for whatever reason, it didn't have that desired effect. The other thing that kept me away from it, I think the opening theme, I was just about to ask you about it. Just um, who's God awful idea was there, <laughs> you know? um yeah like the star trek themes are usually you know like the first one was campy and uh you know low budget 60s sci-fi the tng and ds9 and voyager themes have you ever listened like really listened to the voyager theme it's fucking beautiful it's really good and beautiful discovery and picard have followed suit because those are those are great 
Those are really I mean, like, fantastic. Honestly, the only one I don't really like uh, of the three is DS9 because it's just so like feels a little self-important. Like it most does of the show try- did. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I mean, you've you've got a space mall. So they're trying their best to show like how cool it is and make it seem like this big grandiose thing. Well, they're and... also like the the UN. The Federation is itself kind of, uh, I guess it's more of an NWO. It's a way station for lots of dignitaries from other planets. You know, it's sure. a major, major hub. Right. And so it's all with it parked right outside the, uh, the wormhole. Yeah. You know, they're um, getting all kinds so... of folks. Yeah, it just, it, it always felt a little pompous, although it was well-written. It was a good show. I think it was pretty slow to get started, but. Yeah, because, I mean, they have some really great characters and they were able to oh, yeah. inter- integrate, you know, some folks from, well, that, you know, they integrated Worf and, of course, uh, O'Brien, Chief and... O'Brien, but they really kind of expanded, you know, with deep dive on, you know, the Bajoran and Cardassians, you know, back and forth. And Well, they gave uh, the, the universe more space yeah um you or know, breath you know it, you yeah. know it's yeah, yeah it was ever expanding and especially the introduction of the trills that was kind of a big deal too because they were able to get into some new storytelling about gender identification and you know i mean sci-fi has always been a commentary on on us as a people and where we are and where we might be and uh, well, i think that was an important discussion to have it being kind of a comment it's it's both commentary and it's it's like People always want to say like sci-fi is prophetic. No, mm. oh, they called it. They called it at a time. It's like, did they really though? I mean, or did they just plant the idea? And then we, like when you're just looking at the car in front of you, when you're driving, you know, right. like all you have to do is look at the car in front of you and you go where that car goes. Yeah. Like, did they plant the idea in people's heads? And then people were just like, well, let's build this, you know, not even yeah. realizing where it came from or, yeah. you know, oftentimes knowing exactly where it came from. Right. Uh, Google used to say that their goal, and this was 10 years ago before Google became the Google we know today. They said they used to have daily meetings about how can we make the internet more like the ship's computer from Star Trek Next Generation. That was for, for <laughs> I, a I long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. that's why Google has become what Google is today. Uh, in addition to ruthless business practices. Well, yeah, that you've worked in the service industry before and, you know, in many different locations with a lot of different people. Have you ever, uh, you ever met, lack of better term, boomers that just didn't, <laughs> couldn't see the forest through the trees, as it were? Uh, you know, honestly, man, I think more often than not, all any of us were, and not to say that that's, that this is the way it is today, because I don't know. Most of the time, I think we were just concerned about how much they were going to leave in gratuity. <laughs> you know yeah that's true <laughs> like it, it even like during it say you've got like a table or, or bar customer or whatever you're doing you know guests who are just like the fucking worst of the worst make you want to cut your fucking wrists in the middle <laughs> you know like just like right over the table <laughs> like if they left you just like a stupid amazing tip at the end you know like if they get if it's a $20 check and they're fucking awful and they get up and they leave and they've left you like a $50 tip it's like you kind of I mean the damage is done to your nervous system and you don't even realize it you know but (laughs) because consciously you're just like all right well whatever you know they paid me Um, so you know I don't know like I don't think that uh maybe it's different now but at the all the time that I've spent working in the industry no one's having these like complex socio-political discussions you know and and people are trying to get laid and they're trying to get paid that's that's it. yeah that's the it, restaurant industry you know especially around here in the you know in the south for for listeners who don't know we're in uh, greenville south carolina there's a 
big religious community around here. And, you know, one of the, one of the terrible uh, things about working in the industry is seeing that folded 20 or folded 50 or folded hundred and then picking it up. It's a gospel yeah. tract. Those people are just looking for an excuse, like a, a way to gloss over that they're too cheap to tip you. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like seriously shitty behavior disguised as like concern for you spiritually. Gosh. Or maybe, maybe those are the people that you're talking about that are just so ignorant. They don't even realize how ignorant they're being. Yeah. You know, they're like, like, you know, no, we just want a fiver, you know? Yeah. Just a fiver. That'll yeah. help. <laughs> I don't know. You have, uh, you've been doing photography for a good long while. And one of the, you know, had the pleasure of being able to go through some of your, some of your work. It's all amazing. It's all gorgeous. Um, but some of the photos you shared with me were from uh, overseas. Where all have you been like outside of the U.S.? Uh, I went to Rome when I was 16. I spent a week in Rio when I was 18. And then in 2013, uh, I went to Israel. Wow. So I imagine because I think your father is involved in the church. Is that right? Oh, yeah. He's, he started his own. Okay. Um, a couple so, of I years ago. so I imagine in your travels, you've seen some pretty old churches. I mean, Rome, oh, yeah. uh, Israel, of course. Well, whether you're, you're known for those old church churches. The question yeah. here is, did you ever blow a hole in one? When I was in Israel, I uh, this and this has directly to do with what you were just asking about, you know, or the in reference to the pictures I've taken. I was getting a little too aggressive with my camera in i guess it might have been the temple in jerusalem really? uh, and w while people were trying to say it seemed like they were saying novenas but it i don't know why it's strange to imagine a what what is catholic. that what, what is that uh novenas are little, little prayer it's a catholic thing uh which is not oh, okay. the first thing i would think of being in jerusalem but that's kind of what it looked like maybe oh. there's something similar in, in judaism or islam I was not getting the shot I wanted because it was dark and uh, they were saying, whispering these prayers into candlelight, kind of like lighting a, a prayer candle in a mm -hmm. Catholic church, mm -hmm. except mm -hmm. it's just one candle and they're all in this huge line cycling through. Yeah. So I would take a shot, look at it, it's shitty, go back and take a shot, look at it, it's shitty, uh, or it's not the angle I want. And I was getting really close to because... It was, it was a crowded little area and yeah. I didn't, I was working with a crappy lens, you know, so I couldn't zoom in too much without destroying the quality of the image. And a priest or whatever designation he was grabbed the camera by the lens while I was holding it to my face and shoved me back and started shouting at me in Hebrew. Oh, <laughs> and I just, I Whoa. like walked off hands up camera, up, you know, it's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was sorry. And I just left. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which was wow. like stupid, but I, I was a little bit obsessive while I was on that trip. That's one of those trips where you want to, you want it to be memorable for sure. And I'm sure, well, I'm sure you'll never forget that. <laughs> it's, it's like, to, and I'm, I don't, I don't consider myself a photographer, you know, photography is just something that I do, but the fact of being a photographer is that you're kind of like a, a glorified peeping Tom. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, as a photographer, you have to take advantage of the moment. The whole point is to capture a moment in time and make it permanent. You know, right. um, one of the points you might be in a situation where it's like, this is not appropriate. You shouldn't be taking pictures here. And it's like, what I have to do it. And you're going to thank me for it later. Right. But you're really not going to be happy with me right now. <laughs> You're going to be really fucking unhappy with me. So here's some, here's a little bit about this particular block of episodes. This is our first 
cast as crew block of episodes. Uh, when there's more than one episode of the franchise written or directed by a cast member, we will block them together and just have ourselves a big old time with it. And we'll talk about their influence uh, in front of the camera and behind. So Terra Nova's story was written by Berman and Braga with the teleplay being written by Antoinette Stella, who has writing credits on Melrose Place, Hey Arnold, and of course Enterprise, and then later Joan of Arcadia and Law and Order, Criminal Intent to name a few things. The episode's director is Mr. LeVar Burton, TNG's chief engineer, Jordy LaForge. And of course he was involved in a little show called uh, Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> uh, which is mostly what won him his 12 Emmy Awards, five NAACP Image Awards. Uh, but he also has a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album for the autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. And what a big fat fest. <laughs> Fuck off. 12, like the show was amusing for five minutes. Uh, if you were, you know, two working parents that didn't have time for you know some other way to entertain your child but it's like it's like sesame street everyone's like oh sesame street. like i watched four goddamn episodes of sesame street in my childhood and, and thought it was absolutely fucking miserable <laughs> well he hates don't reading. try he hates don't reading. Try maybe <laughs> maybe he'll watch tv about reading What's the, and that's that's ex that cuts right to the point Todd, don't try to fucking teach me while I'm watching TV on my goddamn day off. You know, it's like your boss. It's like your boss sending you an email marked urgent on a Saturday. You know, fuck oh. you. I'm not on your clock. This is my time. I don't want to fucking learn. Oh, wow. Show me big fucking bright lights and colors and some crazy sound effects and, uh, Again, send all your love letters to yeah. John Paul Newton. <laughs> Let's we'll give them a PO box at the end of this. Fuck you. Fuck your Sesame Street. <laughs> give me write me. <laughs> fuck PBS. <laughs> I want fucking Fox. <laughs> I want Al fucking Bundy. All right. I'm, I'm just handing it out now. I'm putting okay. it out for the fact now. We, um, go ahead. So LeVar Burton, he's also, uh, as of this recording, the cast member with the most directing credits in the franchise. Can you guess how many episodes of Star Trek LeVar Burton has directed? Stab in the dark. 200. Oh, geez. No, not that many. <laughs> uh, I overshot it. I think it's like 24, 26 that he's directed. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because he off. did Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. I don't think he's directed any Star Trek since. So Berman and Braga wrote the story for the episode The Andorian Incident, along with Fred Decker. During the first season, uh, production designer uh, Herman Zimmerman described The Andorian Incident as the most challenging episode apart from Broken Bow, because of the amount of work that was needed to build the Vulcan Monastery of Pajem. Uh, in a 2015 interview with some of the show's cast, Sci-Fi recommended this episode as an Enterprise cast favorite. In 2016, The Hollywood Reporter ranked The Andorian Incident the 100th best Star Trek episode, noting how it established the story for the Andorians and Vulcans in the series. In 2016, Empire ranked this the 36th best out of the top 50 episodes 
of the 700 plus Star Trek television episodes. 36? 36th out of 50. And those 50 are the 50 best out of these, out of the entire franchise. Do you think that they just forced themselves to include episodes from certain parts of the <laughs> franchise? <laughs> it's like out, out of, out of just what, what was how many series? Well, five, five different series. They're like, we get 10 episodes. We had, I, maybe that's it. Maybe it was like five series and they're like, we'll give each, each yeah, series, well, 10 episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Because there's no fucking way they're like, yeah, this belongs at number 36 out of 700 episodes of a franchise. Yeah, anything from... Unless they just love Jeffrey Combs. In which I, case, I totally Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to Jeffrey Combs. All right. All right. Uh, in 2016, Trek News had the Andorian incident ranked as one of the top 10 episodes of Enterprise. Oh, okay, they're getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> They know how Captain Archer must deal with the Andorian Shran, who's introduced in this episode, played by Mr. Jeffrey Combs. As of 2019 on TV.com, this episode had a rating of 8.9, but I could not find out of how many. I assume 10 could be out of 100. <laughs> Shadows of Pajem is a sequel episode that's coming later in the season. We'll get to that. Uh, probably in a few weeks, uh, I guess for the listeners, it'll probably be like two months from now. So uh, our first female director of the chronology is Star Trek Voyager alum, Miss Roxanne Dawson. Uh, yeah, she was, she played Belana Torres, the engineer on Voyager. Some of her directing credits include Charmed, Lost, Heroes, Caprica, Under the Dome, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Bates Motel, Runaways. House yeah. of Cards and Penny Dreadful City of Angels. And trust me, folks, that is a fraction of her resume. I like that she's consistent. Whoever this, wh- whoever you gave the, the, the credits to a minute ago, they were all over the fucking place. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like they're just taking any gig you'll pay them for. You know, Star Trek seems to be one of those franchises that if you make it in the club, they will back you. So uh, unless you're Will Wheaton. Um, well, it's because they have to or you'll never get work again. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you've been in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, oh, you're that guy from Star Trek. Oh, That's all yeah. you'll hear for the rest of your career. <laughs> uh, Roxanne Dawson started directing with a couple of episodes of Voyager. So she, I mean, she literally got her feet wet with Voyager and then later directed 10 episodes of Enterprise, the most of any cast member on this series and tied with Burton for the most episodes directed by a cast member on a series in the franchise. So I think LeVar Burton, the most episodes he's directed on another series is also 10. But I think we'll always remember Roxanne Dawson as Angela Rooker in Darkman 3, Die, Darkman, Die. I haven't even seen Darkman 3. Oh man, I had to to put that in there. I love the Darkman franchise. Is it still Sam Raimi on the third one? I think Sam Raimi bowed out after the first one. For this being the first bit of Star Trek Enterprise that you've seen, did you enjoy it? Would you watch it again? Would you go back and start at Broken Bow and work your way through? Or is this one that you're going to set aside? Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, I didn't, you know, only seeing two episodes. I'm not, there's no way I can get like all the little nuances of it. Um, And I'm sure, I mean, this is, we watched what episode four and five of the first season yes three and four something like that mm. um super early on like they don't even have their thing felt out yet you know, i mean you you know how it is when you go back and watch the first season of a show that goes on to become something like right very special oh yeah um, 
it's always really it's almost a completely different show um yeah even though all the faces and, and the look of it are the same so it's possible that like later on it develops into something that something that i feel like is worth watching you know here's um, here's the thing i appreciate honesty and i yeah. think the fans do too i mean this show already has a reputation for being not the brightest spot in the franchise it's they're just capitalizing on what's left of the fan base at that point Mm -hmm. and i think we got one more in us i'm sure we do right because i think at this point like i said this started right after 9-11 and only ran for four seasons that last season is kind of looking at the trends and storytelling that's where it started to get really heavy into uh, the more serialized content, which is where you get a lot of two-parters, a lot of three-part arcs. And, you know, there's a lot of coverage there about the um, the Zindi or the Suliban war and establishment of the Federation. So this is, it's really, yeah. this I mean, is I'm really sure the, big, the, the beginning of stuff. I'm sure that the, uh, you know, the, the thing that they're building uh, in terms of story you know, over the entire length of the series is something that would be very interesting. You know, I like the idea. And one of the things that I have noticed and a little bit of it that I've seen is the way that they are not as formal in the way that they relate to each other as mm. as crewmen. It feels very much more like beginning phases of this this new kind of period and yeah. human expansion, you know. Yeah. They're, uh, they're space cowboys. Very much. Um, you know, so the idea of, of like laying the foundation for everything that we would come to know later on, it's something, I think it's something that everyone wants to see in a, like a fictional universe that they've come to really enjoy. You know, like they love the idea of like, how did it get here? And let's see someone put that on screen. The origin it, story. Got, yeah, the origin story. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. books. Yeah. It's something that you really got to handle like really fucking well, or it just falls flat you know yeah pisses people off worse yeah i think because the bar was set so high for so long when yeah, someone I mean, when someone doesn't clear that bar they fall and they fall hard and voyager at the time i think just like barely got over it over that bar and it was I only think in so the- i think voyager had a stronger starting point and yeah, a, and, and a more compelling drive behind its story and plot especially with such volatile characters starting off as the Maquis yeah. um, with they're starting off with like, Oh crap, we're in the Delta quadrant. It's going to take us forever to get home. And half the crew wants to kill the other half of the crew. And this is episode one. Yeah. That's so, a great premise. <laughs> stakes yeah. are high immediately. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to enterprise where it's like, Hey, we got this cool new ship. Let's take this Klingon guy home. Like, all right. Voyager is where you first start to to get the sense that the tank is running on empty, you know, mm-hmm. because while it is such a strong premise, you know, I mean, it's like I said at the time, even as, you know, a preteen, I thought, what the fuck, why do we need more of this, you know, <laughs> right. um, really strong premise, but it, and they, I mean, they pulled a lot out of it for what, three, four seasons. It, I think it probably ran pretty consistently strong minus the odd throwaway here and there, but mm-hmm. I, there's only so much you can do with a story about people trapped on a ship for years at a time in space yeah especially in the same universe as star trek i think they got a great opportunity to explore brand new alien species just because they were so far from home and 
the idea of shaking things up production wise, but also including a fantastic, what I consider to be a fantastic element of the plot, integrating not only a, not only Borg technology, but a Borg member into the crew. Oh yeah. That makes for some really fascinating uh, character moments. And I think seven of nine is a great character. Yeah. Seven of nine is a great character. And I love what they did with her in Picard. And I'm really excited to see where, where we go from here in terms of uh, her character development. So folks next week, we are going to be covering Enterprise Season 1, Episode 8, Breaking the Ice. So well, I hope you guys follow along with the show and sort of watch and enjoy these, you know, explore maybe something you haven't spent much time in. I know TNG and the original series can be very comforting shows and white noise shows. You put them on to help you relax and help they you feel, go to they sleep. They feel like home. Yeah, yeah they do feel they like feel home. home. And uh, I hope you explore Enterprise a little bit. Breaking the Ice is, of course, available on CBS All Access and Paramount+. Plus. JP, did you have fun on the show? <laughs> did you have yeah. a good time? Here we are I, drawing to a close. I did. Um, I, you know, it's not until I start talking to someone for more than five minutes that I realize how little I've talked to anyone over the last year. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it was, and I feel like I've honestly just been like, just letting it run nonstop, you know, like I've just been dumping all the things in my head on you for the last (laughs) hour and a half. And it's, it's just because it's like, I never have conversations with people anymore. And I get, yeah, (laughs) I get excited, I guess. Conversations, conversations have become a rare thing. Take a few minutes and tell folks about your artwork, where they can find you and uh, how they can purchase some of your wonderful items. For the time being, my Instagram can be found at Reverend Murder, you know, that mm-hmm. Reverend Murder, M-U-R-D-E-R. I don't see that changing anytime soon, but you know, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. And uh, a link to my store is on the Instagram page. Nice. And you do uh, a lot of prints and some t-shirts? I do some t-shirts. Um, you occasionally make t-shirts for um, local comedians? Yeah, there's one. Um, <laughs> that is one of the shirts I've done. I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. And from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in 10 forward. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was done by Will Martin at heyitswill.seo on Instagram. And I'm Kat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. At that time, there was a mysterious figure roaming the halls, a figure in dark clothes with dark, sorry, sorry, dark sorry. hair. You want to redo it? You want to redo it? Oh, we'll pick up. We'll I, pick I, up didn't, I told you I didn't. I didn't read through. Oh, okay. Know? And uh, <laughs> so I'm hearing this for the first. I didn't expect this. Oh, okay. All right. I'm hearing this for the first time. <clears throat> How's that for a slice of fried gold? <laughs>